important issues. Unimportant host, Stand Up with Pete Dominic. All right, welcome back. We're in the final segment here of the program. My name is Pete Dominic. Thank you very much for joining us. And really excited to talk to our next guest. I've met him uh, a couple times, briefly. I hear he's a great guy from people who work on his show. He's CNN's newest anchor. He's their chief Washington correspondent, and he's the host of a brand new show, which is on day three, weekdays at 4 p.m. on CNN. It's called The Lead, and he's also the author of an amazing, amazing book. Well, he's the author of a couple books, but this new, his newest book is really, really important and great and well-written. It's called The Outpost, an untold story of American valor. He's also very active on the Twitters. Jake Tapper is joining us. Jake. Hello, sir. How are you? Congratulations on the new program. Thanks. It's exciting. We've done two. We've done two episodes. We'll keep we'll keep going. I'm sure we'll have you on sooner rather than later. I would love to be on with you, but uh I mean this is a this is an interesting week to start your new program on CNN uh the lead because of the 10th anniversary of the Iraq war, right? Yeah, it's uh it's it, I mean that makes it interesting. We uh we decided the way that we're going to cover this is we uh, we're going to talk to a veteran, an Iraq veteran, and I'm sure you know this, Pete. I'm sure you've you've covered it, but uh, there's this just immense backlog at the VA. You know, two million Americans roughly uh, served in Iraq and Afghanistan, and a lot of them <clears throat> back in this country are trying to get the benefits that they were promised. Um, just uh, basic medical care, health care, uh, tuition assistance, which has been cut because of the sequester. And uh, we we talked to this uh, young man who is who is having fairly typical struggles, um, claims that are that are still outstanding, he had trouble with PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder, where he calls the VA, says he's having a really bad day, he really needs to talk to somebody, and he gets an appointment for three or four weeks away, yeah. uh, which of course is really not the kind of help uh, one needs when one is having a, a mental breakdown or anguish of that kind. So we'll be talking to him. That will be the way we cover uh, the anniversary the, uh, to honor the veterans, talk about the problems that they're having. And then uh, today we're going to be interviewing House Speaker John Boehner, uh, talking to him. What do you think we should ask him? I'm not familiar with his work, so I can't uh, – <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Not even his earlier albums? I, I, I mean, I think that, you know, I, you are notorious for asking tough questions, and I think that the obvious question <laughs> – earlier albums uh, i think the obvious question is what are you thinking with this bs you're not going to say that what are you thinking you know what about the, the the still wanting to repeal obamacare i mean it just seems like a, a tired even though a lot of americans polled still want to see it repealed let's let's be honest but i think there's i think obviously you're going to have to ask them about that right uh i i, I hadn't really thought about it to be honest there's uh, there's other things going on that's a great question um, actually the way i insinuated obviously jake tapper chief white house correspondent obviously you're going to have to ask him about that the hell do i know <laughs> i'm sure there's plenty well, no i mean there's I, I wanted to ask him about uh obviously uh immigration reform bubbling up i wanted to ask him about yeah. um syria that's that's big in the news uh and uh then I was going to go to some other things, um, well, you know, but yeah. I, I do like the Obamacare. I mean, it is. You're right on its face; it's never going to happen. Not under you know he is the president; he will veto it. Yeah. So the idea that that anybody is wasting their time with this yeah. uh, seems you know obvious on its face. But uh, I, I mean, that's a pretty good question. Well, so I mean, think I, about I, that. I, I just 
you know, you're you're talking to Speaker uh, John Boehner today. You've had amazing guests all week. I watched yesterday. You had uh, the White House Chief of Staff, the former what was he, head of the National Security Advisor, Dennis McDonough. And and my question to you is, you know, the difference between the the, the, the types of journalism you've done. I mean, mainly you're, you do broadcast journalism, but what? What's it like? I watched that interview, and you asked all the what I think were the right questions, and he takes up a lot of time with his answers. He obviously knows you. He knows what to expect, but you're on TV here. You only have just so much time, and clearly, you know, Jake Tapper, you don't do a great job of hiding, like, your facial expressions when you're kind of disappointed with the answer. And his answer <laughs> to the Predator drone question, it's like it, – it's kind of like, you know, I mean, all of us look at these, these, these questions, especially you guys who have been asking them lately, and think, I mean, so my question is, what's that like knowing that you're, you know, what kind of answer you're going to get, but you only have just so much time, and you certainly want the guy to want to come back. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought he was fairly, as these things go, fairly candid when it came to Syria. I asked him, you know, the president had said that uh, that if Syria used chemical weapons or moved chemical weapons uh, in preparation for use, that would uh, that would be a red line. And there's a report, obviously, from from yesterday. There were reports that Syria has done that, although those reports are still unconfirmed. And he he was pretty candid about that, saying that would be a game changer. And his people were, you know, they had people up all night looking at this. So that 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 made some news. North Korea, he was pretty good on um, dodging the question. Guns, I you know, he basically said that even though Harry Reid is not going to introduce an assault weapons ban in the gun package. Uh, the White House will push for it, you know. So that that's some news. The, but we all most, know that's dead too. The most frustrating too, right? question, though. I mean, the most frustrating answer was on drones um, yeah. for me, just because it was just like acting as if. I mean, the question was, you know, there's a system which doesn't seem to be really meeting the president's expectations for, or, or you know, pre-election uh, promises when it comes to transparency or accountability, and. Would you be comfortable with President Palin having the same system? And <laughs> he dodged it. I mean, he just completely yeah. dodged it. And and uh, look, I you know I respect they don't like talking about drones. Um, but uh, I was I, I went back. But you know yeah you know look he has his job to do. I have mine. I, I respect yeah. that he came on the show. You know right. and uh, but yes, I was frustrated by that answer. Jake Tapper is joining us. He is. Uh... Now hosting a new show, and you should check it out. It's really, really good. He's covering uh, everything, not only just just politics um, uh, on the new program. It's called The Lead on CNN at 4, uh, 4 Eastern. Jake, where were you in your career uh, in the run-up to the Iraq War? The media, the White House press corps at the time, received a tremendous amount of criticism. Uh, your colleague now at, uh, at CNN, uh, Jessica Yellen, uh, has admitted – uh, that, that that her old job, uh, she had pressure to put out only positive stories that help prop up the president's uh, narrative and very patriotic and so on. What were you doing? My calculations say you were at Salon at that time. Yeah, I mean, I was actually in this weird little um, period of my career. I had I had left Salon. I wanted to learn how to do broadcast journalism, so I'd gone to VH1 for six months just to basically do a, a, a show about – it was supposed to be like a 60 Minutes on – uh, music and pop culture. Uh, it ended up uh, not happening because everybody that hired me got fired the weekend before I started. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I did a bunch of specials for VH1 in that six-month period. Um, that ended like uh, November, December of 2002. So in that period, I was kind of I was doing freelance stuff for Salon and kind of like trying to get my trying to figure out what what I should do next. I did some some coverage, but if you go back and look at the Salon archives, there's not a huge amount of coverage of Washington because I wasn't in Washington anymore. I was in New York City. Um, 
I, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I covered it fairly skeptically. Uh, and then once the war started, um, Salon, I, I did a lot of coverage about where are the WMD, where are they, which almost seemed to become an afterthought, uh, mm-hmm. which almost seemed to become an afterthought for, for a lot in the media as well as the Bush administration at the time. Um, I, you know, I, so I was in this weird thing, period uh, where I wasn't part of the Washington Press Corps, and it was kind of strange watching it from the outside. Um, one moment that is very vivid uh, in my mind is I, was, I went up to New Hampshire to do a story about Howard Dean, who was then beginning his presidential campaign, and he, he went from Vermont to New Hampshire. And he was an opponent of, of the war. He thought that every, anything done should be done under the banner of the United Nations, under a big international coalition. And it's hard, to, it's hard to, I mean, explain this to younger people who might not remember, but there was such a drumbeat for war. There was such a march to war, and it was the administration, and it was the Democratic Party, and it was the media, and everybody really was on board for this war. And if you questioned it, you were not serious. You were not a serious person. And it's, it's, it's a really it's a sad moment in, our, in the media's history and in our political class's history, and I hope informative for, for all of us. But I remember sitting in a car with Howard Dean. It was the same day that Colin Powell had testified at the U.N., and Dean started getting all these phone calls from New York and Washington, D.C. reporters, and the basic, their basic approach was, well, now do you believe it? Now shouldn't we go to war? Come on, come on, let's, you know, let's go to war, even Colin Powell. And Dean was just, he just couldn't even understand the calls that were coming in. He, it just doesn't make any sense to him. <laughs> and, you know, I have to, you know, I, I was, I'm not, I can't say that I wouldn't have been swept up in it, too, if I had been part of the Washington Press Corps, because it obviously was a very powerful moment, and a lot of people I respect were, were swept up in it, too. But I just happened to have been in New York City at the time, and I was not swept up in it, and it was weird. It was really weird. Uh, it was like the media was an arm of the government. Well, that's what I, you know, that I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned it, mentioned that because that's what I'm concerned about. I mean, I, I'm a stand-up comedian who hosts this program and talks about mainly serious, serious issues. You're a great journalist who, who does something similar, you know, talking about really important issues with, with great guests every day. And, you know, my question is, how do we make sure we're already, you mentioned Syria and these unconfirmed reports of chemical weapons. How do we make sure that, you know, be careful that we're not just taking press releases from the Pentagon? How are we careful that we – and at what point, Jake Tapper, does, a, does, does someone like, for example, an architect of the Iraq war lose their credibility and, and no longer – you know, I, I, I'll just name a name that I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. You don't have to comment on this. But a guy like Dan Sino or seen him on MSNBC every day or Paul Bremer or Paul Wolfowitz or – or, or any of these guys, you know, uh, uh, Bolton, John Bolton, when they come on to talk about Iran or Syria, I have to question those in the media that are bringing them on. We want as many perspectives as possible, obviously, but at what point does someone lose their credibility, uh, and, and should we not be listening to them bang a drum on Syria or Iran or anywhere else? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to politely uh beg off uh, addressing any specific individuals, um, but I mean, it's, it's, an, it's an excellent question, not only for um, policymakers, but also for pundits. Um, you know, there were a lot of pundits who made it very clear that they thought that anybody who questioned whether or not we should, go, we should be going to war in Iraq uh, were, you know, that they were un- 
unpatriotic or I should maybe less than patriotic or they didn't they were not serious people they were not um, they did not care about national security or did not understand national security and you know it's it's a regrettable fact of um, our culture that they're well let me put it this way it is a nice part of our culture that people are allowed to have second acts that there is forgiveness when it comes to personal misdeeds or whatever um look mark sanford will get to you know is running for congress uh despite his scandal in 2009 now people have every right not to vote for him and i'm not saying i would if i were a south carolina south carolinian in his district oh, obviously but you'd vote for colbert's is, sister right exactly but there is something there is something nice about how our culture can be forgiving I really do think that about whether I do too. I do too, but I only want to forgive someone when they admit that they were wrong. Well, like that's, Mark, and that's and that's the thing. That's you the know, question. So let me ask you this, because Jake Tapper is is my guest right now. He's got a new program on CNN at four o'clock. You've probably seen the advertisement for it. They've done a great campaign for it. I watched my it. My daughter Jake, saw an advertisement for it today. That's a very exciting cool. moment. Driving. How old is she? She's she's five years old. She saw my face at a at a. I guess there's a, I don't know how many there are, I only know of one, a bus billboard in Cleveland Park, Washington, in the D, Cleveland Park neighborhood of D.C., and she saw it. That's cool. Very excited. I, uh, my daughter saw an advertisement for this show, or so she thought it ended up being a picture of Daughtry from American Idol. That was upsetting <laughs> to me. Uh, but uh, think the, as you could just say, you know, that is a bad day for Daddy, but yeah, that was Daddy. Oh, I did, I did say that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> she, she, she'll know that later on that I lied. Uh, but you, you've always been, I think, a pretty well-respected uh, reporter and, and White House correspondent, always asked tough questions. But you, you, I think you really gained a lot more credibility and respect, not only from your peers, but from, uh, from people who watch you, read what you're writing, listen to what you're saying. When you decided to write this book, um, the book is The Outpost, an untold story of American valor. And I, you know, why did your wife allow you to go to Afghanistan to do this? That was a, that was a year-long fight, um, or I shouldn't say fight, but a year-long discussion uh she she did not want to she did not want me to go i went the first time i went to afghanistan well look i i had done two or three weeks in the baghdad bureau of abc news back in i think 0405 somewhere in there and she was not happy about that but then um the uh i went to afghanistan with president obama that was just like a you know on the tarmac for a few hours kind of thing i came back and i said that's not going to be enough i really it's it's just not going to be enough for any number of reasons. I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to be in, get embedded. I'm going to have to like get as close to this outpost, which no longer exists, but I'm going to have to get as close to it as I can, uh, and really un try to understand what these what these soldiers go through on in a more personal way. And um, she didn't want to let me go. I mean, you know, but ultimately she understood as she did uh, when you know she let me spend so many nights and and weekends and holidays working on the book and ultimately she understood this was a bigger that this this was more than just a book for me this became something of a cause that i really wanted to tell these stories and that i had come to understand the war in afghanistan as a as a for, even though i was fairly knowledgeable about the war intellectually i i emotionally did not get it and and certainly just didn't have the kind of visceral understanding of what it is our troops go through and why it is they go through it um so that same Understanding she showed when it came to letting me write the book, uh, she showed to um, when it came to letting me uh, go to Afghanistan. But you're right, that was 
you're 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 a smart husband. You can uh, you can you know where to where to hone in. That's uh, well, that's I want to go. That, that, that was a struggle. That was definitely. I want to go. I you know I talked to uh, we we partnered. You mentioned earlier the uh, the backlog. We partnered in front on on Monday and, and have helped launch and, and are covering every day IAVA and Paul Rykoff, uh the uh, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans of America. We're covering and partnering with them on this uh, Storm the Hill initiative that they're, they're doing all this week. And so I've gotten to learn, I've gotten to know a lot of these guys over the past year. I have them on once a week. We do a segment with a veteran, Jake. But, I mean, I really want to go. I'd love to go do stand-up, you know, and, and, and go to Afghanistan. But it's like it's a, it's a non-sequitur with my wife. Um, when, the, when the paperback comes out, we'll do a longer, hopefully, conversation about the outpost. But, but quickly, um, w- what is this book about? Because uh, I, I've read it, a lot of it and heard a lot about it, it really is important. It's fantastic. And I'm not just kissing your ass. I mean, tell people um, what The Outpost is about, why you decided to focus on this this issue, this place. Um, sure. The, the Outpost is about this one remote outpost, combat outpost Keating. Uh, it's just a true story and a history of this one outpost, telling the story of the men and women who served there, the men and women who were home, uh, loving those who were there. It started, I became aware of this particular outpost um, the day after my son was born uh, in October 2009. I was in the recovery room with my wife and daughter and my little boy Jack, and this news report came on the TV talking about this outpost I'd never heard of. And the story was just incredible in so many ways. The coverage made it very clear that the outpost was in an incredibly vulnerable place, which it was. It was 14 miles from the Pakistan border, and most glaringly it was at the bottom of a valley it was surrounded by three steep mountains and so on october 3rd 2009 when when the 53 u.s troops who were there woke up uh, at dawn they were not only surrounded by up to 400 taliban and other insurgent fighters they were surrounded on the high ground Uh, and these were very fierce taliban fighters and very strategic and very smart and it was a day-long battle and what was poignant about it for me was I was holding my son and hearing about eight other sons, eight other American soldiers killed, taken from this world, as I had just been delivered uh, a new son uh, to me. So it just set me on this path that, you know, I didn't realize it at the time how uh, incredible this moment was in my life. But in retrospect, obviously I have, and that is I just I needed to know more. I wanted to know why these men were there. Who put the base at that in that vulnerable place? What, who were these eight men who died? What was it like for the other 45 who, who survived to, to wake up and, and be attacked so overwhelmingly? And it just set me on this course to write this book, and it was just it was just a very emotional project for me. But um, you know, it, it's been received fairly well. Spent a little time on the bestseller list, which is always good for a, a lengthy book about a war no one wants to talk about. Yeah, well, it, it really is a great book. I th- I'd say it's an important book. I hope people will buy it, and I hope people will read it. And, uh, Jake, I hope people will watch your new show. It's 4 p.m. on CNN. It's called The Lead, and you're not just talking about politics. i got less than a minute, but what do you look most forward to outside of the hard-hitting issues? You did a little well, sports. We're, do- about- we're, doing, we're doing everything. We're doing national, international, politics, business, sports, culture. I mean, we're trying to do it all. We're trying what is to do Jake it all. Tapper's the, favorite the sport to watch? Stories on each one. What's Jake Tapper's favorite sport to watch? My favorite sport to watch is college basketball, but I don't get enough time to do that these days, yeah. hopefully uh, over the weekend. Well, hopefully you get more time uh, to do that and with your family. Congrats again on the new show. It's The Lead with Jay Tapper, CNN, 4 Eastern. Jake, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. All right. That's Jake Tapper, at Jake Tapper on the Twitter. 
and uh, we're out of time. That's it. Show's over. Hmm. What a conversation today. Thanks so much to all of our guests. Uh, everybody was fantastic. Thank you to at Alfred Schultz and uh, at Melanie Starling and at Moving Sideways. That's Chris Hossel for some reason. We're out of time. Think for yourself. Look up everything you heard here. We'll talk to you tomorrow.